Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a living clean study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Living Clean. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide a commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is episode 35 for the Living Clean Study for the Anonymous podcast. Uh, We're going to begin on page 120 at the bottom, uh, the heading of Courage. But first, we're going to give our introductions. Uh, Paul and Carl, please jump in and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Paul. I'm an addict. I, my claim date is January 6, 1995. I uh, attend meetings in New Orleans, Louisiana, and my home group is Open Mind. Thanks, Paul. What's up? Carl. I'm Carl. I'm an addict. My clean date is January 6, 2015, and my home group is also Open Mind in New Orleans. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks Carl. What's up, Barb? Hi, Douglas. I'm Barb, an addict. My clean date is October 4th, 1995. I live in the panhandle of Florida, and my home group is open mind. Okay, all right. Thanks, Barb. What's up, Jane A? Hey, Jane A here from Salem, Oregon. Clean date is 12-22-79, and my home group is the Thursday noon basic tech study. All right, thanks, Jane. What's up, Eva? Hey y'all, Eva P here. Um, my clean date is June 10th, 2000. Uh, my, I go to meetings in the mid Willamette Valley area, which is Salem, Oregon. And my home group is the Do It Hard meeting. All right, thanks Eva. What's up, Jennifer? Hi everyone, my name is Jennifer and I'm an addict. My clean date is November 27th, 1992. And I attend meetings in Sacramento, California. Thanks, Jennifer. What's up, Brian? I'm an addict named Brian. My clean date is November 18th, 2019. I attend meetings in southwestern Pennsylvania, and my home group is the Sunday morning literature meeting of NA. Come check us out. All right. Thanks, Brian. To Buff B. All right. What's up, Lee P? Hey, Douglas, sleepy addict, um, clean date, August 27, 1987. I attend meetings all over the place, and my home group is the Open Mind Group of NA. Thanks. All right, thanks, Lee. We have a couple guests this evening. Uh, Our first guest, Brian D. Jump on in, introduce yourself, Brian. Hi, I'm Brian. I'm an addict. Uh, My clean date is 7th of November, 2020, and my home group is... uh, Wednesday evening, High Wycombe, um, and it's on Zoom, and you can find us on the NAUK website. Thanks, Brian D. And our other guest this evening, William. William, what's happening? Uh, Will, Attic. Uh, my clean date is February 27, 2013. Uh, I attend meetings in Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. My uh, home group is Clean and Free Group. All right, thanks, Will. And uh, here's Casey. What's up, Casey? Hey everybody, my name is Casey and I'm an addict. My clean date is 9.30 of 2013. I attend meetings in the Mid Willamette Valley area. 
Uh, my home group is the Tuesday, Thursday, West Salem Recovery. All right, thanks, Casey. I'm Attic, name's Douglas. I got clean March 12, 2000, the Southwestern PA, and I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina, and the Fairmont, West Virginia uh, areas now. All right, folks, let's get started. This is episode 35, uh, Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast. We're going to begin on page 120, all the way at the bottom there, with courage, and Eva P is going to facilitate. Eva, take it away. Hi, everybody. So uh, tonight I've uh, asked Jennifer to please read uh, the rest of this chapter um, at Courage. Thanks, Eva. All right, here we go. Uh, the serenity to accept the things we cannot change often comes after having had the courage to change the things we could. It takes courage and humility to open new doors and to close old ones. For many of us, courage was not something we came into the rooms with, but we find it here. We might still be afraid, but that no longer stops us from showing up and meeting challenges head on. When we walk through our fear, our fear turns into faith. Ultimately, this chapter is all about courage, the courage to accept the things we cannot change and to change the things we can, to look at ourselves as we are and accept ourselves anyway, to talk about the things that make us uncomfortable and to take on some of the issues that challenge us most deeply. Working a program in relation to the physical part of our recovery does not necessarily mean working a physical program, though for some of, it, some of us it does. We don't all take on exercise or proper eating or conscious physical healing as part of our daily program, though some of us make this a central part of our recovery. The principles are what we, are what we share even when our practices are very different. We all find that it is necessary sooner or later to face the truth about our bodies, whatever that might be, to address the harm that has been done, to treat what we can and surrender the rest and to be honest. What we gain is acceptance of our physical reality, the ability to live as fully as we are able and the willingness to do so on life's terms. You know, I don't think I knew when I got clean or it didn't occur to me that, you know, our physical selves was a part of the recovery process. I mean, I just drank coffee and smoked cigarettes. I mean, that's what I lived in, you know, probably ate drive through food for probably the first, I don't know, four or five years of my recovery. And it's funny when I think about that, it makes me cringe a little bit now, right? Like, why would I do that to myself? Why would I be so hard on myself using and then come into recovery and be just as hard on myself? Um, you know, and, and I was 17 when I got here. So like I was invincible. I could do anything I wanted. I could eat whatever I wanted. I could, you know, I, you know, I would smoke, you know, a pack of cigarettes a day. But what I didn't do is talk about the fact that I had been an asthmatic since I was seven. And when I got up in the morning, I had to suck on an asthma inhaler before I could have a cigarette and then do it throughout the day. Um, and, and I didn't quit smoking until 12 years ago, you know, and, um, and that was a big, like ugly, shameful secret for me. Like I'm killing myself every day. And that's what I thought of when I read this, I was killing myself every day doing something <clears throat> that I knew I shouldn't be doing, you know, but, um, you know, all of this, I think in every area of my life, not just my physical life, being honest, being uncomfortable and being honest anyway, um, you know, and challenging myself on the regular to be a better version of myself today takes 
all areas of my life that I need to work on, right? My emotional, my mental, my physical, my spiritual, you know, and, um, and it is kind of a, a wraparound thing for me, which again, I didn't think I had to do when I got here. I mean, I barely thought I had to work steps when I got here, let alone like take care of my physical body. But, but I think some of the courage um, today that I, I look at and I face in my life is, is almost always, um, you know, when I look at it, it's like, I'm always dealing with the things that I'm most afraid of. And I can do two things. I can move forward and have some courage, or I can pretend like it doesn't exist and let it fester up somewhere else, you know? And, and, um, and, and recovery has really taught me that I'm only, um, uh, I'm only, you know, the inevitable part is, is whatever I have going on in my life is going to fester up and turn into a big deal. And I can deal with it now, or I can deal with it later. But the now part is, is that I get to rip the bandaid off and I get to deal with it and I get to work a program, you know, based on my willingness to move forward. And more often than not, when I ignore it, I am forced and my choices are taken away to deal with an issue that, you know, pops up. And then it's in my face and, you know, here it is. Um, and so recovery has really given me an opportunity to make those changes. And I don't always do them well, you know, and I don't always do them exactly the way I intend to. But I know that every day attempting to be the working on being a better version of myself each day, you know, I have little successes and those little successes turn into big successes. And so, you know, if I have a day where it's not good and I take a couple steps back, it's going to be okay. You know, if I decide that, you know, I mean, I was out of town for five days uh, and there's not, I think, one thing that I ate that was good for me <laughs> the entire time. And I don't feel bad about it. You know, um, I had a great time. But my point to that is, is that, you know, as long as I am in the in the place of progress, of, of wanting, um, wanting to do the right thing or wanting to do um, what's in front of me, like, you know, I have a pretty good chance today of staying clean. And, um, and I also have a pretty good chance of having a good day. Um, and, you know, based in, you know, those four things I just said, you know, and I do take care of my physical self, you know, it's, it, there's a good chance when I actually do that, that it will help all of those other areas of my life and, and help them improve as well. So um, with that, I will pass. Thanks. Brian D, why don't you go ahead? Thank you, Eva. Um, I wasn't going to share because I thought, Brian, that's really pathetic what you're about to share. But I thought, you know what? There might be some other equally pathetic people out there. So um, recently I got COVID um, for Christmas and um, it was mild. I had a sore throat, but I'm the sort of person that very quickly catastrophizes. And um, I got positive. And straight away, I was thinking, you know what, Brian, this is it. This is it. You're going to die or you're going to get long COVID or, you know, ne never mind that, you know, the vast majority of people don't, you know, I'm relatively fit and healthy. But um, I managed to calm down my um, hypochondria and paranoia really just through the program, you know, very much just talking to myself saying, right, just serenity prayer, you know, just just the bare bones serenity prayer saying, okay, well, you know what, what can you do? You can look after yourself. Um, you know, if you die, you die. You know what, you panicking and stressing about it isn't going to change it. And I just repeat that to myself again and again and again. Um, 
and that that is pathetic it is you know i'm well aware i'm self-aware enough to realize the ridiculousness of my statement but i am very grateful that the program just helps me with these low, these little things um i don't get i don't run away with it all um so yeah that's my little slightly embarrassed share on on that matter today thanks thanks so much brian uh will yeah will Eric. um i i related to this a lot um so i i, I just turned into my 40s <laughs> So having the courage to accept some things about me physically um, is something I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say struggling with, but I'm kind of new to at this point. Um, and I say I'm kind of new to it, not because like I've never struggled, but um, over the last nine years, I've broken a lot of molds that I put on myself and I've, I've busted out of a lot of things I thought I could never do. Um, so to come to find out that like, there are some things that I'm just <laughs> never going to be able to bust out of the mold on, um, you know, being being clean this long, um, you know, I still have some fantasies about that I should be able to go further um, or even bust past some of this, what life brings, you know, father time's undefeated. Um, I have a uh, sponsees that do things, you know, the power lifters or they're out running and they're doing things that like just, I can't do, but like part of me goes, well, you should be able to. Um, so, you know, I just, and actually through listening to this podcast, a lot of times I've I've gotten a lot of strength off of that, just just to look at myself every day and be able to say, you know, it's all right to be where I am. Um, and like I said, I, I've, I've accomplished everything I ever hoped to in here, but on certain days I'll wake up feeling like I'm not doing enough and it just doesn't make sense. Um, so to, to have that few minutes to sit there and, and just reflect on, on what I'm in reality trying to do and not, not based in fantasy, what I think I should be able to do. Um, I related to that courage piece a lot because I'm uh, I'm running into more walls than I ever have before that, you know, that I'm comfortable in running into. Like there's certain things I've never considered doing, you know, grandfather type stuff that, that now is uh, an exciting reality to me. Um, but then at that same day, I could consider uh, maybe I'm happy to be a grandfather coming up that maybe I should be 21 again and be able to, to, to run around like I used to. So um, I have gone through periods where it's at our physical selves, you know, taking care of our bodies um, and doing like exercise regiments and diets and things like that. I've, I've gone through periods where I've done that. Um, I've always done it to excess. So uh, like I will lose like 30 pounds in like three, four months and just go every day and go hard and then just not do it again for, you know, six months. Um, so it, it's never been like a, I'll take care of myself and continue to do this thing. It's always been like, I'll exhaust this effort until I can't go anymore um, and then stop. And I've, I've never really found a balance with that. Um, and I'm just going to get to rambling if I keep sharing. So thanks for allowing me to share. Thank you, Will. Um, Paul and Carl. Hey, um, so yeah, courage comes before, acceptance comes before courage. They made note of that in there. And that's, you know, one of the things we've been talking about where, you know, serenity comes um before acceptance um so here's the thing that is about courage for me i think it has to do with fear and the word itself has nothing to do with that it has to do with heart it's a french word that comes from the word for heart 
And so when it says here, for many of us, courage was not something we came into the rooms with, but we find it here. I was, my, there was something in there that was like a little piece of coal because it was so closed off from the world. And, um, you know, through this process, through the 12 steps, through sponsorship, through the friendships that I've had in this fellowship, I have a heart. And that can be real scary. Uh, it can, you can feel with it kind of thing, you know, things affect you. But I wouldn't give it up for anything. And, and that's for me, that's the courage that, that I want. You know what? I still get afraid. I still, but I have a heart large enough to kind of move me through it. I went, took some pictures. I've been looking through pictures. I took some pictures over to a friend's house. And this woman was the first person in 1988 who came to me outside of a meeting as I was waiting for my parents to pick me up at age 27, very glamorous, to pick me up from the meeting. And uh, she said, we're going to Shoney's. You want to come with us? I was like, oh, I'm waiting for my parents. And uh, she ran over to the car when they pulled up and said, you got to let him go. You got to let him come to the Shoney's with us. And of course, my parents were just petrified that I'd be shooting dope somewhere. So they were like, go, go, please go. We'll follow you. We'll drive around for an hour. We'll pick you up. And so it started the process of the fellowship working in my life, you know, and uh, she's, she's not, she's no longer a member, but she's on oxygen and, uh, you know, she's, she's dealing with some shit. And I don't care if she's a member or if she has a desire to stop using or not, there is nothing I can do to pay back that gift that was given to me in 1988. She had enough heart to walk out of the meeting and stop me from leaving. That's the courage that this chapter is talking about, having that heart. Thanks. Thank you, Paul. Jane? Hey, everybody. I'm kind of thinking along the same lines that Paul was. You know, there's some people in my uh, history that... Uh, made all the difference of me staying or going in meetings. And quite an awful lot of them had to do with people who um, made eye contact with me and caught me after the meeting and said a few words. And uh, there was this one lady, I was very impressed with her. She was loud and, you know, typical bar fly, uh, just loud and, and straightforward and, and wasn't afraid of the F word. And uh, I was quite intimidated by her and expressed by her, but, and that was lots and lots of years ago, but I still remember because fear was such a paralyzing force in my life when I got here. It just paralyzed me from doing anything good, bad, or indifferent. And uh, I sometimes came out in the form of arrogance and mouthiness and <laughs> all that, but it was still fear underneath it. Um, she looked me dead in the eye one day and she said, fear false evidence appearing real or fuck everything and run in recovery it's face everything and recover and i've never forgotten that ever 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 that's all thanks jane 
So before we move on, I'm just going to touch on this right here, you know, where it talks about um, to talk about things that make us uncomfortable and take on some issues that challenge us most deeply. And um, I don't remember exactly the person that changed my life, but I remember talking about um, when I would leave my kids in the car and go cop dope and I was just going to be a minute and a minute turned into an hour or two, I don't even know, you know, and um, they'd be locked in the car in the, in the driveway of the dope man's house. Or when I could talk about, um, when I could talk about being pregnant with my youngest child and, and literally using every day, using the day that I gave birth and, um, and what that felt like and what I felt like as a, as a human being and, and being able to honestly share that, not just with my sponsor, you know, when the power was taken out of it, but to be, to talk about it in a meeting and have acceptance and not judgment. And maybe there was some judgment, but the people that accepted uh, me and appreciated what I had to share, or did not even appreciated, but just came up to me and was like, girl, you're okay. You know, you're safe here to share that. And we still love you, you know, and they actually wanted me to come back. You know, that was a big deal to me. Ooh, oh my God. That was a big deal to me because those are still some of the things, you know, 20 years later that touch my heart in a way that is, uh, you know, it's kind of feels like unforgivable. And those are the things that I have to work hard at um, knowing that I've changed those those things about me that I wouldn't do that with a straight mind, you know, um, and um, and that I've got to make up some of those mistakes with my grandchildren um, because I've stayed long enough to do that, you know, or I've stayed long enough in the rooms to hear another woman say those things or another human say. You know, I did leave my kids in the car at the dope man's house and um, and to know that I'm not the only one that made those mistakes and and um, and they're uncomfortable to talk about. They're hard to admit. But if I don't admit them and I keep them inside of me, that's the shit that gets me loaded. I remember the first time that I said them to my sponsor and I was waiting for her to go, you did what? And she did it. She didn't say that. She's like, well, let me tell you what happened between me and my kids. You know, let me tell you about what I did. And then we'll talk about, you know, how we want to live life different today. And she got me right into the solution, you know, and there isn't necessarily a solution to the things that I have made mistakes on, but there are ways that I can make up for what I've done in the past, you know, on a, on a, on a heart level for, you know, to use that term, Paul, on a heart level, like I can honestly go to my children, you know, and, and somebody asked me today, it's funny that we were talking about this, well, do all your kids talk to you? And I'm like, yes, they do. We have a good relationship today. Well, then that's a win. I was like, yes, wow, it is. It's a win, you know, um, and they don't just ask me for money. Like they have conversations with me. So, um, so yeah, that was a win. Um, was there anybody else before we move on? Oh yeah, I see you, Barbara. I see you, girl. You go. Hey, Eva. 
And it's just like, I was sitting here thinking, it's just like what Paul says. When somebody gets honest, we get honest. It brings it out. It does. And that's why I tell it, like what Eva just told. But um, you made me think, because I was sitting here thinking, who made a difference? Because I, you couldn't run me out of the rooms once I got here, because I was dying, and there was nowhere else to go, you know? And I got my seat, and you weren't, you know, you could say singleness of purpose, any of that shit, wherever I was at, and I, I earned all my seats, and I'm staying put, you know? But when Eva was talking, I remember the first time I did the steps, the girl I did it with, first thing she told me was the last thing I did was I gave a guy a blowjob for a $10 rock. And when she told me that, you know, it was like, you know, that was so powerful. When Eva was talking, I remember that. It was so powerful because it just freed me to say all my shit, you know? And I too do that today. You know, a lot of people say, oh, that's better spoke with a sponsor or whatever. No, I, I haven't. The only reason why I am here, I think, is my primary purpose to to. Help, try to help another woman, another addict. And, and I, I have told my story so many times and said stuff. And the girl I'm sponsoring now, she said, oh, because I said I prostituted. I started prostituting when I was 17. And she told me after she said, oh, she said that out loud, you know, she, and, and, and um, that's why she asked me to be your sponsor, you know. And that's what I mean. It's things like that that tell me, you know, I need to put it out there. And yes, I get some freedom. But like Eva said, it's very uncomfortable. I don't want to tell you that shit, you know? I don't want to say that. You know, I'm ashamed of that shit today, some of it, you know? I don't put it on a job application, <laughs> you know, that I, if I don't have to, unless they do it in CIC, guess what? Florida ain't bringing up that I was busted for prostitution. So I don't, and the first time I did that, I prayed and I said, okay, HP, if I'm supposed to face this, you know, I'll, I'll own it. But right now, I ain't putting prostitution on there because they're not doing an NCIC and it's not going to come up, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm like you too, Eva. I, I, I have an obligation, you know, to put out there and to, to try to help another addict and, and to put my shit out there, you know, to share. That's why I went through it. You know, my past is my greatest asset. I heard that in the sister fellowship and I thought, how in the fuck could my past ever be my greatest asset? Today it is. It is. I know it took a long time, but today I know it is my greatest asset, and I am forever grateful. And and I am I'm I'm a, I'm a strong woman in recovery today. I don't have to, you know. There's that little bit of me that's ashamed to say I prostitute on the streets, what I did to myself, but um, that's not who I am today. That's not that's not what I do when I don't put uh, mind altering substances in my body. So I'm grateful to be clean. Thanks. Thanks so much, Barbara. All right, so if I don't see anybody else, I guess that means we have to go into our favorite, very favorite topic. This topic, I think, takes us out, some of us relationships. So, um, all right, let's see. Uh, Paul, why don't you read and share first topic? All right, here we go. Relationships. <laughs> Good Lord. A recovery doesn't happen in a vacuum. We need one another and we need to be involved with the world around us in order to recover. Living clean is all about relationships with ourselves, with our loved ones, with our fellow members, with society, and ultimately with our higher power. The people in our lives are the means by which we experience grace. The people in our lives are the means by which we experience grace. Mm -hmm. 
We see the miracle of change in others and they reflect our own changes back to us. They are windows through which we see the world and vehicles by which we achieve spiritual progress. The truth is that most of us have not been very good at relationships. Some would say that an inability to form or maintain long-term relationships is one of the symptoms of addiction. The basic text tells us that the disease makes us devious, frightened loners, that we develop strange habits and lose our social graces. When we came into recovery, we didn't always recognize what was wrong with the ways we related to people. Mm -hmm. Our experiences as using addicts shaped our habits and our expectations. Yeah, so the, I mean, the, the word on the street is Paul's terrible at relationships. That's the kind of thing that goes through my head. And the truth is that's not true. I have, I'm looking at a whole bunch of tiles on the screen of people that I've known for, you know, an amount of time, some of them over 30 years. And, um, and I am loved and, you know, and they love me and I love them. But that's the problem with addiction. It's never enough. You know, that's the thing I'm trying to get today. I want to, I want to want what I have, not have what I want. I have a wonderful relationship filled life. Oh, but there's the, I need the one and he better be the right one. And we got to talk about money and we got to talk about sex and we got, and that's where my head goes. I want to discount the love that I give and receive with the people who are in my life, that that somehow isn't enough. And I'm just, I am so sick and tired of, you know, being clean for over 20 years thinking, and at age 61, to think that it will start, life will start around the corner. When I get to this place, when I have this much, when it grows this many inches, that's when life will start. It's, it's beautiful right now. So, so you are the people is where I get to experience grace. You're the people that bring grace into my life. And here's the thing. We are control. Uh, I am controlling and I don't want you to not do it the way I want it to be done. So half the time, I don't even want you to do it because I'm going to do it myself. And look, this program, this text, these 12 steps cannot be done alone. That sucks. I could shoot dope alone in that bathroom. Why can't I get clean alone? I can't. I can't. So I'm kind of interested on our journey through this chapter. Um, but I want to let go. I want to let go just like the physical self from the last thing, because it talks about that. Like, I want to take care of my body. I want to do all those things that it talked about in that last chapter, that last paragraph of that chapter. I want also want to improve my relationships. 
But let's just all agree that right now, things are good. My body's good. My health's good. I look good for 61. I look good. I have enough people in my life. I am loved. So I want to stop reading this book like at the end of it, everything will be okay because it's already okay. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. We do love you. So we have Brian and then Doug, then Jennifer, then Will. Let's get started with Brian B. Thanks, Eva. Thanks for calling on me. And, uh, you know, I couldn't wait to, um, to share about this because like, I think that the relationships that I've been able to develop since I've been clean have been like the most valuable thing that I hold on to every day, you know, not just the relationship, you know, with my higher power, but, you know, the relationships that I have with the guys that I got clean with, you know, and how far that we've come together. And like, we were just talking about this in the car the other night. We said, hey, man, if, if you see me slipping or if I see you slipping, let's make the agreement that, hey, we're going to call each other out on it. Don't hold anything back. You know, those are the real friendships that you bond. And, and I think that's such a beautiful thing, man. And like we were talking before the podcast started recording about, you know, we have people that are listening and have years and years clean, but we might have newcomers on here that are just getting clean, man. It's like stick around, man. You know, all those fake relationships that you had that were all about like transactions. And like, if you don't have what I want or I, you don't have what I want, you know, we're not clicking tonight. Forget about that, man. You know, you're going to form relationships like from my experience that are like as real as it gets, man. You know what I mean? And um, I, I think the real where it talks about at the end of the first paragraph is where we achieve spiritual progress. That takes me right to sponsorship, man. Like there's no better way than like the HP works, you know, from from him down to my sponsor, down to me. And then it filters down to the guys that I sponsor like that. That's recovery in action right there, man. You know, allowing someone else to experience you know, the joy that comes along with staying clean a day at a time through working the steps and putting the work in, you know, um, man, I went from a, I went from a life that was locked up in my bedroom with the windows with uh, black plastic bags hung up because I didn't want to see the sun, you know what I mean, to a life that's like so bright today, man. And, and it's all because of just, you know, staying committed to the program. And, uh, you know, I really can't speak on relationships with the opposite sex, man. Like most of mine are like 24 hours. And, uh, you know, one day I might I might meet the woman that I'm supposed to marry, which I pray about all the time, to be honest. But, um, you know, it, it's not in my time. It's in God's time. But I am obsessing over this one right now. I keep checking my phone every half hour to see if she gets back to me. But, you know, it is what it is, man. If I have to stay lonely all my life, hey, I'm still clean. I got I got that. So that's all I wanted to share. Thanks for hearing me. Thanks, Brian. Doug? All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Eva. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that share, Brian. I, uh, look, before I make my comments on these, tell me to say thanks to Barb for talking about that. I, I like my spirit really responds to to those comments. One about nothing that could be said to me to chase me out of here. 
when I was getting clean, uh, fucking desperate, man. Didn't have anywhere else to go. And now, an equal proportion of I don't want to return back to the way of life I was living. I don't want to lose the way of life that I have now. And 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 be, because I hear sometimes, man, that shit of like, don't tell someone to sit down and shut the fuck up. Go chase them out of here. Bullshit. Bullshit. And uh, and I'm glad that you're able to share about whatever. Because I believe that too, man. You know, th- there might be some things you don't feel comfortable with then or that don't feel comfortable. But again, bullshit. If someone says, hey, man, that stuff shouldn't be shared at the meeting. Why the fuck not? You know, so anyhow, I, I digress. My comments on these, uh, the paragraphs, where the, the second or the third sentence in the first paragraph, you know, living clean is all about relationships. Then it lists the categories with relationships. One that I that, that that I was just talking with somebody the other day. I, actually, it's the guy that Lee sponsors, Damien. We, we we were talking, and he brought up. Um, he said, "Look, man, my 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 interaction with Narcotics Anonymous is a relationship, bro. And that's a cool way to think about that, man. It's just it, it's a cool way. I need to be intimate. I need to put in the work. I need to. So that was really cool. So I want to think about that. The last sentence of the first paragraph: vehicles by which I I can achieve some spiritual progress." you know, or, or the people in my lives. And that's not just about like me seeing where I, where I make a mistake, you know, and that amend process or, or me growing. That's, that's positives too. There's people in my life that I'm, I'm able to pour into that are able to pour into me and, and build that connection. But that was really neat. And then the, uh, my final comment will be this, um, the last sentence of the second paragraph, our experiences using addicts shaped our habits and our ex- expectations. Man, I can see it as clear as anything like with me um my experience my experiences before it was, it was a very hostile environment um hostile interactions and uh and so my habits and expectations of other people had that as like a baseline it really wasn't like a friendly atmosphere that i was in and my home life or copping in the projects or whatever it was it wasn't soft man it wasn't loving it was always it was always you're getting over on me let me lash out first something like this that shit didn't stop march 12th you know what I mean? Like I, I brought that right in with me and it's been a journey, man. It's been a process to kind of say, okay, hey, look, I'm not going to get, you know, had, had I'm not going to get taken advantage of. It's okay. I can have a little trust in the HP. And that's been a journey doing that. And I'm really cool, man. After this next paragraph, like we paragraphs four through the rest of this, this section starts to talk about like, Hey, so what can we do, man? How can we, you know, we've identified in the first few paragraphs and now, how can we start to, to heal from this? So I'm looking forward to your comments on this stuff. I'm going to go ahead and pass with that, Eva. Okay, thanks, Doug. Ms. Jennifer? Thanks, Eva. I am. Um, this part about, you know, the people in our lives are the means by which we experience grace. I am, um, you know, I attended a recovery celebration uh, this weekend in Arizona and, um, for a good friend of mine who I met, I don't know, I met him like five years ago. I feel like I've met her. I feel like I've known her my entire life. Um, but what came of that celebration was the realization for me of the relationships that I have cultivated in Narcotics Anonymous. And there were two women there. Um, one of them actually moved to Phoenix. She kind of disappeared and I didn't know where she went and they're like, oh, she moved. So, you know, we, I wasn't seeing her in meetings, but there were two women there with us that were there when I got clean. And they were one of a group of five women that swooped me up. They saw me, they looked at me, they saw through me, they 
and and when they did, I didn't want anything to do with them. Um, and they're still there and they're still clean. And um, and we we you know I got to to reconnect with the woman that was in Phoenix and um, but all of the a, a big portion of the crowd that was there I knew and 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 a smaller portion is like you know we call it our tribe where we have events that we do together. And these people know every piece and part of me, and they show me grace and love and support. And, you know, every once in a while, a little like, are you sure you want to do that? Is that really the right place you need to be? You know, is that really, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, but, you know, in, in a loving way where they understand me and they know, they know me enough to know, um, you know, when I'm not okay, when I am okay to celebrate, you know, and, and it was so, you know, I, I, Saturday night after this party, I kind of was like looking at where I've come from. And, and what I see in my life today and, and my relationships, and they were all transactional when I was loaded. And if you were close to me and you were a woman and you, your husband or boyfriend had something that I wanted, I took it or I attempted to take it. I was not trustworthy. I was not the girl you wanted around, you know, anybody that, you know, your man or whatever. And because I just was out to get what I needed. And you know what I mean? Like, I don't have that problem today. You know what I mean? Like I'm not that girl today. And these women, even though that's who I was when I got here, loved me up, took me to their house, let me hang out with their husbands. You know what I mean? Like, and we cultivated these, you know, almost 30 years, you know? Um, so being someone who couldn't even, you know, talk to anybody when I got here to, to having these relationships where these people know me so well, and I know them so well, like Doug says, you know, you pour into each other, you know, um, is so amazing. It was so beautiful. And it was, you know, and then I got to spend a couple of days afterwards with them, you know, just hanging out and laughing and doing all those things that we do, you know, in recovery, you know, connecting and, and, um, and I just can't, you know, you know, if you're listening to this and you're new and you're like, relationships are the, like the most terrifying thing I've ever done, or I don't know how to do it. Like, I didn't know how to do shit. You know, these women grabbed me, they sat me in the meeting with them, they took me to this book study, went out to eat afterwards with them, and, and I cringed for the longest time behind why could these people possibly want me in their life. And here I am almost 30 years later, you know, I know my purpose, I know, I know that they're my people, and I know that um, recovery has afforded me opportunities way beyond anything that I deserve. Um, you know, and, uh, and I'm so grateful for that. So I'll pass. Thanks, Jennifer. Will? Oh, uh, yeah, Thank Will Attic. Um, so where it says that the disease makes us devious, frightened loners, um, kind of hit me for a second because, um, naturally I'm a very social person. Like I, I love people. Um, I love to be around people. I love talking to people. I grew up in a household where we met every day for dinner. Uh, we told each other we loved each other and, and there was hugs and it was a happy place. Um, and, you know, towards the end, I can remember like being in the house alone and that not being enough. I had to hide in the closet and it wasn't like a big closet. It was like a coat closet with my knees to my chest crying, just hiding from everything around me um, because I couldn't face things. My loved ones would, you know, be blowing my phone up or driving around town looking for me and I would run from them. Like I would hide when I would use 
Um, and you know, it's I mean, obviously after chasing me for a number of years, they kind of slowed down with it. Now it's just out there on my own. But um, it was just such a, a unnatural place for me to be. Let me just put it like that. Like I, I did not like to be alone. Um, but that's where I found myself every time I would pick up um, away from mirrors and, and as far away from people as I could be. Um, and down in the second paragraph, or I'm sorry, up in the first where it says, um, with ourselves, with our loved ones, with our fellow members, with society, and ultimately with our higher power, um, kind of just rang an old memory for me, and not an old one, but um, one of the first things I was asked to do when I got here was to write on the symbol. Um, my, my sponsor was real big into that kind of stuff, and, you know, the four sides of our pyramid, society, service, self, and God, like I was told right from the beginning, like I was going to have to build relationships in these four areas of my life if I wanted to stay upright, you know, like otherwise, if um, you can imagine the pyramid, like I'm leaning or I'm falling on one side. Um, and it was just an exciting concept for me. Like I really gravitated, like a couple people to share, like once I got here, you couldn't tell I wasn't going nowhere. Um, and I haven't left since the day I got here. And I'm not bragging on that. It's just, it's the way it worked out for me. Um, when I, when I came here, I found my answer. Um, and, and I got to work with a lot of this stuff. And I just, the relationships piece for me, opposite sex, I'm still with the same, um, same person I was when I was using for the last 14 months. Um, and I don't shy away from this at all. Like she's my best friend. She's not an addict. Um, and she's my rock and she's been here for me for everything. But um, I hid from her as well. You know, like I, I, I just, uh, it's, it's amazing what dope can do to me when I put one in me. Like the ability to make a, a good decision just goes away. Um, my ability to, to do what I want to do goes away. Um, so it just, uh, that rang with me there. And the relationships I've gotten in these rooms, self, you know, through step work, um, HP has grown a lot. You know, second step helped me with a lot with that. Because I, when I got here, I, um, I didn't not have a God. I, the only thing I knew about my God was he would let me get high. So I was kind of scared to, to lean on. And I won't get too far into that because we don't. But um, when I got to step two and I said, God, and I said, well, I, I can't trust that. You know, the opposite of that, then obviously then I'm all on my own. And I knew that didn't work. Because like I said, I, I, I ended up in a place where I, I never imagined myself being um, service and coming to meetings society wasn't too thrilled with having to prison a number of times um but to to get to a point to where like I can uh hold down I've had the same job I've had since I had five days clean that's crazy like I've I've never been able to hold down anything um so to just realize like these relationships really really are what what form our thing I like where it said too um and Paul touched on it the people in our lives are the means by which we experience grace we see the miracle of change in others and they reflect our own changes back to us. Like I'm a firm believer and you are what you surround yourself with these days. Um, and you know, it just, uh, it's funny how small, how small the world had gotten. Like I, I, there was the same, you know, 10 people or so that I saw and that was it. Like, unless they were a blur walking on the way to get something or something like that. Like I saw the same 10 people, everybody uh, was using just like me. Um, if you weren't using just like me, you were just hiding it better than I was. Like, I didn't believe there were people happy um, and not getting high. And it just, but at the same time, I'm, I'm incredibly unhappy. <laughs> so it just, uh, you know, just a lot of confusion and a lot of, a lot of not being able to figure it out that, um, you know, Narcotics Anonymous eventually gave me, gave me an out to. 
Um, I, I, I could shout out so many people for the relationships in these rooms. I, I won't, but like uh, between my sponsor, my support group, I will say this and shut up. Like, so I got clean um, February, 2013. I come from a town of about 20,000 people. It's a pretty small area. Um, and there's five of us that got clean that month, that year that are still here today. Um, and the relationships I have with those four other people, um, we don't see each other every day or talk every day, but like, like if something were to happen to one of those five, um, I would, I would be devastated. Like I, um, I, I've been blessed to have a group coming up with me. Um, they were at the same spot I am, same spot going. Um, and I just, I, I couldn't re replace those relationships for anything in the world. So I, and the relationships piece is real important to me because like I said, isolation was such a weird place for me to be, um, that it's just the relationships are key. That's all I have. Thank you. Thanks, Will. Brian? Hi, Brian. Addict. Um, sentence a uh, few people have touched on. Um, Paul said it twice. Uh, the people in our lives are the means by which we experience grace. I love that. I've just written that in my front cover of the Step Working Guide. Um, at first glance, um, I think, oh, yeah, it's, it's about me and what I can get from other people. But then actually thinking about it, I think the more powerful part of that statement is um, it's a two-way street and it's the grace, it's the, um, the forgiveness and love I can give other people. Um, and, and from a selfish viewpoint, how I benefit from that, you know, um, I'm a lot happier when I'm giving other people grace and, you know, whether it's in the recovery rooms and people aren't doing service like I think they should do. And I just say to myself, Brian, just give them some grace. And I do, and I feel better um, giving them that, that love. Or if someone's not doing recovery as I think they should be doing it, um, and I just give them some grace, you know? Um, and that makes me feel better. I feel so much better when I'm giving someone else love and forgiveness. Um, I think sometimes, maybe, maybe, maybe it's just me, but I think sometimes we can get caught up in what other people can do for us and uh, the grace that other people can give. Oh, I need to be forgiven for this or that. But recovery has given me the gift of forgiving other people or just giving other people love. Um, and I think that's, that's a bigger gift personally. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. True. Let's see, Casey. You know, as we were reading and I'm listening to everybody share, I'm thinking about like what my relationships look like today and what my relationships looked like when I first got here. And when I first got here, I was so not trustworthy. I was not a good friend. I was not a good person. I had zero trust in myself. So I had zero trust in you. But what was taught to me is just find that one person first. And so that one person was my sponsor. That was the person that I could trust and that I could start building that relationship with. And then, you know, my sponsor invited me to an event. And so I met a few more people. Um, and so those relationships, like I learned, the more that I learned to trust myself, then I began to to know how to trust other people. If you can't, if you don't know how to trust, you can't trust. So if you're new and you're listening to this and, and relationships feel overwhelming because I know when I got here, they felt overwhelming. I didn't 
you know, it, it's been talked about, we get loaded and we become so isolated and away from everybody that we don't, we don't know shit about relationships. So if you're new and you're like, hell no, like, I don't want to do relationships, just pick one, you know, just start that relationship with your sponsor um, and learn how to build that trust and learn that, you know, it's, it's little things like what for me was that what I told my sponsor in confidence stayed in confidence. Um, that helped me to learn that, that people are trustworthy because I, I, like I said, I wasn't trustworthy. So if I'm not trustworthy, you sure in the hell aren't trustworthy. Um, and then that relationship grew. And today, um, in continuing this process and continuing to learn how to trust myself and trust others, I have relationships today that, um, you know, my people don't keep me clean, but they sure are a big piece of why I know that I never have to get loaded over anything. Um, because no matter what I go through, no matter what I've gone through, no matter what I'm going to go through, I know that I can reach out to somebody who's walked through it before me. I know that I have a bond with somebody who can show me how to do it without getting loaded. So therefore, you know, the relationships that I have today, um, they're a big part of why I am clean. You know, I, I, I don't have to do this shit alone. I don't have to die. I don't have to go through anything alone. And, um, you know, that's turned into better relationships all around. You know, if I look at the relationships that I have with my kids today versus the relationship that I had with my kids when I got here, um, you know, I've said it before, my daughter didn't want shit to do with me when I got clean. Um, and today I'm the first person she calls when there's something exciting or whether she, when she has a problem, um, you know, my, my teenage son is at that age where he does usually just call me when he wants money, but you know, I think that's just part of being a teenage boy and we'll get through that. But, um, I don't know, relationships are, are, uh, are super important. I did not want to share on this chapter because when I think of relationships, I automatically go to the opposite sex and I've been single by choice for a few years. I'm like, well, shit, I ain't going to have nothing to talk about, but you know, yet again, um, when I become open-minded enough, the book shows me that, uh, you know, it's something different. So um, if you're new and you're listening to this, um, do not be scared of relationships and do not feel like you have to take on a whole bunch of, of relationships, just start in baby steps, just that one, just find that one person, that sponsor that you can learn to practice relationships with and then, um, you know, go from there. So thanks. Thanks, Casey. I find it interesting that the first relationship it lists is the one with ourselves, because I find that one to be the hardest one um, for me. Um, I have a, when I got here, I had a hate, hate relationship with myself. And then I started a like, a like, hate relationship with myself. And then it was like, uh, I think I can, I, and then I was like a little bit of love and like, and a, a little bit of hate. So it just got better. And today I can say that I do, I, you know, I, I love myself. I have moments of, of time where I don't, I don't, uh, I don't hate myself at all. And um, those moments are longer and longer. Um, but it says living clean is all about relationships. And the first one it lists is with ourselves, which that was really the hardest one for me. <laughs> Um, yeah, so let's move on. We got about five minutes left. Let's just read this one long paragraph. Um, Barbara, why don't you read this one long paragraph? 
Thanks, Eva. Thanks. Not been, right? Mm -hmm. We have not been. We have not been easy people. <laughs> we do harm when we are using and the people who are closest to us get the worst of it. We can be stubborn and suspicious, angry and afraid, sarcastic, willful, and set in our way. We have been through hell and we have put others through hell too. We've experienced loss and failure and often violence. Even if we come in with families or careers intact, we need to change how we deal with them. Gaining these skills in recovery can be a long and sometimes painful process. When we look back on our active addiction and see the harm we caused, the relationships we destroyed, and the opportunities for intimacy we threw away, we may be overwhelmed by the wreckage. But we can also find some gratitude for the fact that we are clean now and we are changing. Our history with relationships can lead us to think that there is no hope for us in this area, but our experience with the second step proves to us that we can be restored to sanity. We need help that our loved ones cannot give us. The therapeutic value of one addict helping another really is without parallel. Hearing and sharing the NA way is the ultimate weapon against our alienating, isolating, destructive disease. And I just want to say that people are not disposable. I got here, people were disposable. Now they're not. And I want to concede my time to Lee. He hasn't said anything. So I'm going to let him finish, this, finish it. Thanks, Barb. Um, I apologize for not saying anything tonight. I have an unstable internet connection because I'm in the third world country. And I did put my hand up, but I don't know. It was like a very white hand. And that's not my normal hand either. Um, I have a brown hand on my computer, but when I put it up there, it comes up white. Anyway, I was going to talk about the part where it said, uh, the truth is that most of us have not been very good at relationships. And that kind of summarizes my entire active addiction. I was, I was uh, isolated, animalistic, and... When I got to NA, um, it's because of the grace of, of other people that, that I was able to uh, start the process of, of how to be and have uh, relationships. And ironically, right before we started, when my computer, auto, I, I was talking to Doug and Jennifer and uh, uh, William, I got on early and all of a sudden my computer just rebooted itself because of my internet connection, I think. But right before, right during that, that whole bizarro world internet shit, uh, my phone rang, which it hadn't rung because I'm in a third world country. And it was a person who I've had a relationship with one day longer than I've been clean. And I know that sounds crazy, but the first day I came around, he was the person who kind of stopped me and asked me to wait in my car. <laughs> um, and, and, and we've been best friends ever since. Uh, and that's been over 34 years. Um, and, and it was hard at first for me because sex was uh, the equation of a relationship. So it took me a while to uh, get past that. And, and it said it just now when Barbara's reading the second step in that restoration process is what, uh, oh, for Eva, is what I believe helped me early on because I got into the 12-step process right away. And, and if you're listening to this, 
Someone just said, don't be afraid of relationships and try to trust at least one person. And, and, and that's exactly what, what I did. And that's exactly what uh, blossomed into the fruit of, of my life today. Um, I think it was Paul who was saying, we've been friends since 1988. That's a long fucking time. And <laughs> yeah, and I don't know that we've ever had an argument or fell out or stopped talking to each other. I mean, we both moved around a lot, so, so we had distances, but the relationship remained intact. And, and my gratitude, my, I'm full of goosebumps right now, and I had to, I had to turn the air conditioner off because I'm freezing in here. Uh, you young pups, right. Um, anyway, we're out of time. Thanks, Barb, for that talk over. I love you guys. I really miss you guys. I hope that my COVID test comes in so I can come home tomorrow. Not really, but really. And I'm going to close with that. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Lee. Sorry I missed your hand. It was too white against the ceiling. Too white. Anyways, thanks everybody for listening tonight and um, come back next week. Here's some more. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.